you know, I was doing, hey, Gary, I'm ready, I'm ready. And I did the whole script doing that. And Steve actually said to me, because if, if I had any guts at all, I would push for you to be the voice of the of SpongeBob. Because <laughs> it's just wrong. It just wouldn't, it doesn't really it fit it. It is wrong. Yeah. It is wrong. But he goes, but no, he goes, but it's plankton. It's plankton. Welcome to SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's official podcast about all things SpongeBob. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. And we're back with another amazing interview. On today's episode, we're talking to... Oh my goodness. The one and only voice of Plankton, but also Larry the Lobster, Rube Goldfish, my leg, Fred. Oh my god, <laughs> my, my leg favorite. guy. <laughs> so many amazing characters on SpongeBob SquarePants and all of the shows in the SpongeBob world. Plus, he is a writer, storyboard artist, director, has been working on the SpongeBob show since the very beginning. Mr. Lawrence is our guest today. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited to talk to him. Uh, Mr. Lawrence, let's go. The first question we've got is about your name, Mr. Lawrence. I think oh, that yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's not a common thing in the world of cartoons to have a very kind of a formal credit. I feel like people think of the world of cartoons as being a little informal. So That's where right. did Mr. Lawrence come from? Is there a story behind that? Yeah, there's several because I don't usually tell the same one twice. So <laughs> Okay, thank you. It's good. Like <laughs> Mark Twain. I have a, yeah, I got a new frog story for everything. Uh, there's, I, it basically started as a, uh, I, I wanted to do a comic strip. And so I wanted to have a cool uh, signature, you know, mm. um, and to draw. This is like in college. I love Dr. Seuss. So I thought, well, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> but I am a mister, so let me try that. And it looked funny. It looked like it was funny. And then over the years, people, I would sign stuff that, and I would people would you know joke about it because I've been doing it since I was yeah I've been writing Mr. Lawrence since I've been you know eighteen nineteen or something. So it was kind of a, just a running joke, you know. And people would meet me and go, "You're Mr. You're not Mr. Lawrence. You know you know you're wearing a hoodie." So I said I said uh, you know I was like okay well. It, it looked funny, and I just kept using it. And then officially with credits on shows, mm -hmm. I, at a certain point, I decided to use it, you know, sort of full time. Uh, and it's it's still kind of a joke because I don't, you know, I don't feel like I'm grown up all the way. So <laughs> Mr. Always sounds true. It's silly. Then you're in the right spot because Hector and I talk about this all the time that mm -hmm. like we have not hit our adult phase of our life, even though we have been technically considered adults. Yeah, for you're supposed decades. to. Yeah. De decades. <laughs> they um, sent me brochures and it said, this is what you're supposed to do, but I've never, <laughs> yeah. I've never followed it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you know anything about Hector and I, but we are massive, massive fans of SpongeBob. I did know that. Yeah. Okay. Well, also, like, I am a, a massive fan of yours because you do voice one of the most iconic characters, the character that everyone um, loves to... I think everyone actually just loves to love Plankton, to be honest. At this point. They used to love to hate him. Now they just love him. Yeah, yeah he's just so great. And we're here yeah. with you. So I'm just so... <laughs> I was going to ask you to... <laughs> I was going to ask you to prove it to our listeners, yeah, but yeah. you just did. Peekaboo, I see you. <laughs> All right. Oh my God. Next question. So 
Next question. <laughs> well, anyway, um, you just are, you do m- multiple things. You know, you're not just a voice, you're the, a writer and you've directed for this, this IP and for others. How would you describe your sense of comedy? You know, it's always from influences, right? I mean, I grew up in a family that really cared about comedy. I was lucky. Uh, I got to see my grandfather's comedy, my father's comedy, and then I had my own comedy growing up. So it was sort of a history lesson in comedy all through my childhood because it was just always there. And so I kind of, it's kind of inevitable that I was going to do something that had to do with that because I was kind of got, unlike my family who just liked watching it, I got obsessed with it where I watched it over and over. You're watching this again? You know, it was the kind of thing where you're always just obsessing on things. And that led to the cartoons I could always draw. So the cartooning uh, uh, thing led to animation and and just being marveled by that. Just couldn't believe how amazing animation is. And And then comedy. So it kept on going back and forth. And then, you know, I discovered... Bugs Bunny and Tex Avery and mm. Tom and Jerry and all those, the old theatrical shorts, uh, and started to kind of put together some kind of a, whatever's your, your quivers in the, you know, whatever it's called. I'm not sure what I'm getting at here, but, uh, a palette, the, so your, yeah, speak, yeah, your palette, that's the word. That's it. it. That's exactly sure. it. I'm supposed yeah, to know sorry. these things, but, uh, the, no, yeah, fine. the palette is, uh, is uh, I got lucky. Of, of so many different things that right it enabled me to want to get into comedy through also stuff that I was you know uh, watching at that time as a kid as well so it was always wanting to be a performer as well through all this comedy I was watching so for a while I couldn't really decide what I wanted to do whether I wanted to draw which I could kind of do pretty well as a, as a kid and develop that or act and so I just decided to not throw anything out and just keep, just keep, <laughs> keep developing all of it if I could. Yeah, so I've been lucky mm-hmm. enough to be paid for those things, which is not a simple thing to get to, to, to for that to happen all by itself. So, you know, it's... it's yeah. Oh my God, no, that's so yeah. exciting. Which is yeah. always oh, like, no. yeah, it's like, okay, good, at least I can do that. I can do something that I've been sort of developing anyway. I'd probably be doing it, you know, if I wasn't doing it for a living, I'd still be on stage somewhere doing something. Yeah, are you saying that if if you had been un- been less successful in your voiceover career that you would have mm. fallen back and like well i'm a writer well i'm Maybe. gonna do stand up well i'm gonna you know i'm gonna keep doing this and this and this. that's great and i feel yeah. like you would have all you're so talented that you would have always been doing all all of them uh all at once <laughs> yeah <laughs> at home yeah in other places yeah, yeah. I, i'd be still doing it it just but to be able to be to catch on to something i mean like i said our show is we just didn't think it was going to be on past a few seasons you know maybe two maybe three and then all of a sudden it was on it won't go away so so (laughs) we've always been you know amazed by that as the years roll by wow yeah well were the influences were they like for me it was like i watched nick at night and it was like i love lucy and it was like dick Mm -hmm. van dyke and like what mel brooks like what about what was it for you that what were those early yeah you yeah you nailed that with me mel brooks was huge uh influence on me and monty python uh also (laughs) was monty python's probably the reason that whatever the kind of thing I do connected to all these things and trying to be surreal most of the time. We, I like doing visual humor. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you can get good dialogue mixed with the visual humor together, if you can really make a nice uh, cocktail of that, it's it, it, it works. You know, it's so much fun to basically be in a lab making up jokes, you know, and figuring out, yeah. ooh, a pinch of this, and it's really funny. 
uh, not too much, you know, like that sort of stuff you go through when you're writing and, 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 and building this stuff and then getting a chance to actually write it and or draw draw it and then be able to go in a booth and then perform it. And then you change stuff when you're in the booth because you're feeling different about it when you're saying mm-hmm. it, you know, and then so you just keep hammering on it, you know forever kind of you just you know that's the if if you're in a good spot and you set it up right you can you can make a a a conveyor belt for a show where you can really keep making it better as it goes down the conveyor belt uh as it goes before it gets uh finished i love lucy reference yeah Yeah, i know a conveyor belt that's right (laughs) (laughs) i love it What I love about uh, studying animation and being such a fan of animation, it's like Frank and I grew up when we were young watching Nickelodeon and watching cartoons, and we might not have been aware of your guys' influences. Right. And yet, the people that we've talked to so far, Frank and I, there's been a lot of reference to Chuck Jones, Tex Avery, these Mm -hmm. kinds of great cartoon influences. Yeah. And we can get later into how that has absolutely found its way into SpongeBob, but I want to go back even further for a moment. I want to go back even further to the late 80s, early 1990s. Okay, if you have to. And I would love to ask about, I have to. (laughs) Terrible time. If you have to. I do. Uh, (laughs) Ren and Stimpy. You worked on Ren and Stimpy. How did you get that job and what was it like working on that show at that time? That's kind of the start of everything. I mean, that's that's what got me realizing I should come out to California, uh, was seeing um, John Kay's... uh, Christopher Lucy's, um, he did a video for the Rolling Stones called uh, mm-hmm. Harlem Shuffle, I believe. And that had some really wild animation that he had, that was able to stick in there. And that popped up and I tried to figure out who he was. And then a couple of years went by, I'm trying to, what happened to that guy? What's going on? And then all of a sudden in Animation Magazine, it said that, <laughs> that Sean Kay had a new company called Spumco and they were making this thing called Ren and Stimpy. So then I went nuts because mm-hmm. it was like right when I was uh, out of school and looking for, you know, sending out, out my resume. And so I sent one to him and he said, you know, we're not looking for anybody right now, but keep us posted. You know, we like your stuff. We'll talk whenever. So right after that, I, I sent out a lot of stuff and I got a job at Film Roman. And I worked on the Tom and Jerry, the movie. <laughs> oh, which I remember was from that. Then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had to talk. Too. I didn't know you could talk. You could talk this whole time. Yeah, yeah, that's, that film. that's yep, it. I remember. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. So that was my first official official gig, and then all I did once I got here was pursue Spumco and try to get in there. So it took me about a year, um, uh, under a year, and Vincent Waller and Richard Purcell, two of my old buddies now, um, then saw my resume, showed it to John, and I got asked to come in and interview with them and um had the show even come out yet at this point or were you still pursuing it and it still hadn't even premiered ren and stimpy like did you or, or no, had no, no. the show already come out no what what happened was is that in between going i'm going to hollywood and <laughs> and uh me getting the job at film roman uh ren and stimpy had started that september i came out like in july and then that september ren and stimpy premiered right so mm. I spent the rest, I spent another six months while they were still working on season one, trying to get in there. Finally got in there. Opening day, I go in there and they're screening Stimpy's Invention, which had just finished. So, and we were just dying. We we're just, our heads are falling off. It was so, so funny. And so were <laughs> theirs. Everyone's yeah, heads yeah. were falling off. <laughs> I thought, well, maybe I need to keep pursuing this if mm. I was able to get here. I was kind of an assistant layout uh, guy for a while and then I moved, and character layout. 
and then I moved pretty quick into just full on, you know, doing my own layouts uh, from the storyboards, which were awesome. It was a weird, you know, we were in the basement of a, <laughs> in the basement of this building on Melrose, <laughs> and all these weird catacombs in the place, you know, that we found out were like, it was like a speakeasy from the twenties or something like that. So all these catacombs of people going in there to do God knows what, you know. So so you're going through and seeing that. And right next door to us is a dentist. A, a child dentist is next door. So all morning, you're hearing screaming kids. You're hearing kids screaming. You're hearing kids screaming who are getting the, the drill and kids in the waiting room screaming because they're hearing the kid getting the drill. So it just sounded like, you know, they were torching, you know, uh, a daycare. It was, it was, it, it, it just, everyone was just afraid, you know, scared. It was horrible. But yeah, that was, uh, that was one of the things we, 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 yeah, we made fun of it. Of course it was funny, but of course uh, use it for inspiration, put a microphone yeah, absolutely. in there, put it in the yeah. show, you know, no, we're all feeling <laughs> the pain. Little, little yeah. Shapahara is right next yeah. door. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's good amazing. to feel, a, it's always good to feel a little pain before you start doing comedy. <laughs> We go, we go from Ren and Stimpy, and then you are working as a storyboard artist on Rocco's, Rocco's Modern Live. Yeah. Rocco's Modern Amazing. Live. Amazing. Um, and yes. then in there... Yes, is, I was. You, there it is. H- hello? <laughs> is somebody there? <laughs> Sorry. Hello? I got Wait, stuck. How are you? <laughs> I get stuck doing it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I wish we did more of those, because I love doing that character. Oh my god, I loved and Rocco's working with Modern the, Life so Thank you, much. thank you. That was my real comedy college because I was I was an artist on Ren and Stimpy, mm. but I was, but on Rocco I was uh, a director and a, and I did the storyboards and I I did voices and and um, got to direct direct voices sometimes too, which was nice. Wow. How did the transition into also doing voices happen? Was it just an organic thing? Like, hey, I, I'll do it. Yeah, well, I had been doing, like I said, when I got into comedy, I actually got into comedy. I was doing stand-up for about three years before, like in in the uh, college years. And so before I came out to California, that's sort of what I was doing, is trying to establish myself as a comic. Um, And I had a drawing bit, you know, I used to draw, do caricatures of people and stuff like that. Yeah, great. So it was fun, a lot of fun. But this took over, this, this, the, the, the boom happened in animation just as the, the boom was going down in stand-up comedy, and so it was harder mm-hmm. to get harder to get stage time. But there was jobs open for artists and you know uh, people like that. But the voiceover thing happened because I had already had a background in it. I'm assuming, but what what it really was was they couldn't find a voice for Filbert, and it really went on past the point where I shouldn't have gotten that voice. They just were you know they just were being neglectful. And they weren't paying attention <laughs> and finally got down to, oh, my God, we got to get this together. You know, we got it. We're going to be airing soon. We, you know, it's coming up. So we got to get, you know, we got to figure out who's playing what in all these parts. And so I, I sent it. I put a tape in because I kept doing a voice for Filbert in the pitches that was making the guys laugh. So I said, well, I'll throw this in and see what happens. So I did a whole thing. I read one of my scripts, you know, one of my storyboards out with the character Put in the thing. I didn't put my name on it. The only people who knew were the were the uh, the PAs who were doing the casting stuff. Oh my god! So Joe Murray got to hear it without 
knowing it was me. Whoa. Even though I was there already, you know, doing that. And so apparently I was not in the room. He stood up and went, that's it. Who is he? That's the guy. (laughs) (laughs) And and they went like this. They all put their heads down. They went, oh, of course. And they said, what? He goes, what? Who is it? He goes, it's Doug. (laughs) (laughs) So so the the implication was, you know, oh, we're going to have to, you know, now he's already working here. How is this going to work? You know? know? So they asked Mm -hmm. me, are you... Are you okay doing that? You're going to have to, you know, one day a week, you're going to have to go do voices. You're still going to have to get your deadlines. I said, no, I'm everything. I want to do everything, you know, absolutely do it. Wow. Um, so the we have been loving not only you know the classic SpongeBob here, but like everything in you know, the new IP, the spinoff, like everything that is this in this world of SpongeBob, which has just gotten so massive and include included the um, other shows which you also work on and are also brilliant. We love Camp Coral. I, I am a massive fan of the Patrick Star Show. Awesome. Like, what insanity <laughs> i know um, i we're very pr- we're very proud of that that you just said that we're very proud <laughs> yeah. of that show being just plain nuts that's what we want mm-hmm. just yeah. plain nuts and i monty python so back to monty python yes. yep yes exactly Absurd. and that's also why i called that mel brooks earlier it just feels like that just kind of humor um and i uh love it obviously what that's so great have you consciously kind of sped up the pace of the show mm. I think when you write this kind of thing and then you're sort of tasked to come up with alternate versions of these things, you start figuring, well, I can't do the show. We can't. Patrick's show can't be SpongeBob. It can't be the same thing. If it was the same thing, it'd be kind of it would get boring fast because it would just be right. The same kind of storytelling and the same kind of, you know, narratives. So we, yeah, very conscious after Camp Coral, after we knew Camp Coral was going to pretty much be SpongeBob, too. Mm-hmm. And that it was going to be uh, in a new location and have that that sort of you know part of the universe. Mm-hmm. Then we just sort of said, Patrick show has to be different. It's got to stand out. It's got to feel like something else. So that was the whole point: was how do we do that? How do we make something work? So it took a while to figure out what the platform was going to be. You know what I mean? What the what the box was that we're keeping these characters in? What's the framing device, you know, for this show? What are we doing? And all the stuff we love, Monty Python and, and, and you know, old, old comedy, you know, old uh, absurd, more absurdist comedy stuff that we love um, was all coming to the surface. And we're like talking about all those things and watching those things and getting excited again, going, could we really do that? Could we really just cut to this and cut to that and have a time machine and who cares where they go here to there? It's not, and and it's not even a sense of, I just said, who cares? It's not really who cares. It's, it's, um, it's precision comedy. It's just, it's just done off narrative. It's done off. We're off the rails and we're in the dirt. (laughs) We're in the primal, (laughs) the primal, you know, all the primal urges of comedy that we had. It's, the Patrick show. It's so great and it's so entertaining. And I, and to me, I mean, w- whether or not it was intentional or not, like I do feel like it is grasping younger audiences in a way which is absolutely necessary because mm-hmm. of the fact that they were so overstimulated as like little kids now. Like I watch little kids like staring at their iPad, like walking around like on a playground and I'm like, I, you are so, mul- you're multitasking. Good for you. I know, I know. No, <laughs> so, I don't know if we did that on, per- I don't know if it was a conscious effort to make it faster. I think it's mm-hmm. a matter of 
in some cases it's it's like python we want to throw a lot at you you know uh how many how many things can we throw at you per square inch you know like as you're yeah. moving through this how many jokes can we toss at, at, at one time and so because of that i think it makes it even if it's it's at times it'll make it seem faster even if it isn't but i think it is there is a pace thing and i have it in my own work when i make my own short films i i like to keep things fast and, and mm-hmm. that's great tex avery you know it's mostly yep. tex it's tex's influence his speed in animation was and everybody else did it too but he's the guy who did it you know he, he yeah he nailed it man that's the best stuff that still astounds me when i watch it today uh, I'll watch stuff we do and I'll go, ah, oh, we got so close to something that I, you know, is my favorite thing or my favorite cartoon. We're almost you know, there with the animation and everything. It's just hard to beat wow. 1940s animation, man. That stuff is just like so But you're doing it for the next hot. generation of people. Yeah. The next yeah. generation of people will say, will, will be like, oh my God, if we could only do what that Patrick Star episode did. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Until they watch the old uh, Tex Avery cartoons. <laughs> and go, oh, this guy. And they were like, never mind. <laughs> never mind. That's what I like. That. That's what I love. That's great. I am so excited now. I get to ask about Plankton, one of mm. my favorite characters in cartoon history, Doug. One of the best. Yes. I'm wearing my my plankton green shirt today. Of course, in in honor of <laughs> uh, in honor of Sheldon. But here's here's the thing I did not know. I just learned this. I just learned this, Mr. Lawrence. You initially auditioned for SpongeBob the character. Oh yeah, with the plankton voice. Oh yes, I did. Dude, we got to hear that. Tell give give us a little bit of what SpongeBob says in the plankton voice because <laughs> yeah. that audition it, it it seems insane to me like it would never work because I'm so used to you doing plankton. But what was that audition like? That came from <laughs> that came from uh, when the pilot was being made when Steve Hillenberg was working on the pilot mm-hmm. and we had been both at Rocco together and we right, were right. Clo- close on that and very blown away by each other's work and influ- influenced by each other's work. Um, and so when we were both trying to sell shows, I, we both said to each other, if I get a show, you're coming with me. Right. And I, yeah. And if I get my show, you're coming with me. Right. So, <laughs> so it was one of those sort of situations. And then, uh, uh, SpongeBob, they made the, uh, they were making the pilot. And so everybody was auditioning and I had to give a tape in, uh, to audition for all the characters. And then at the end I did the plankton voice and I was just went off the dialogue that was there and for, for, uh, for the character Plankton was not in the, was not in the, uh, the pilot and was right. not mm-hmm. part of the presentation or anything. Mm-hmm. So I knew he was part of the Bible because Steve had told me and I'd seen the Bible already. So this was all about just me doing a funny voice on a, on audition tape that I know Steve's going to listen to with Derek Dryman and Weiss, Eric Weiss in the room and they're going to laugh. So I made them laugh. So it turns out later I found out not only did they play it in the room many times for each other to laugh when they'd get like depressed or you know the the, the deadlines were looming they'd play this tape of me and i was walking around my kitchen just stomping pots and pans and throwing stuff (laughs) in this whole thing so eventually that ended up getting this is a funny little stupid thing too is eventually they played it for tom kenny who had come to visit while he was auditioning and when we finally did the 
the pilot, you'll know, you know, there's that one scene where you might remember there's a scene where for a second, when uh, SpongeBob first comes to the Krusty Krab, he talks sort of like a superhero. Yeah. Right. Yes. 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 He says, I've been waiting for a long time for this. That's Tom doing me. That's oh. Tom. That's Tom making a joke as a joke and started doing me in the in the record, and they left it wow. in. Wow! Wow! And so, so, so you are right. in the pilot. You are in yeah. the pilot. So I always say, in a very small way, I I made it to the pilot anyway. anyway. Wow. And so that became the thing. Of, and of course, Steve goes, he goes, it's great though. I, I love that voice. It can't be, you know, because I was doing, you know, I was doing. Hey, Gary, I'm ready. I'm ready. And I did the whole script. <laughs> doing that and steve and steve actually said to me because if if i had any guts at all i would push for you to be the voice of the spongebob because it's just wrong it just wouldn't it doesn't really fit it yeah it is wrong but he goes but no he goes but it's plankton it's plankton you know and the, the other reason that uh tom uh made fun of me in the record and was doing my voice or imitating what became the plankton voice was because uh, in Rocco records, I would often do that plankton voice to make Tom laugh. Mm -hmm. I would, we would all do stuff and I would have like a, a, you know, you know, whatever citizen number four, you know, some, some side character. And I'd be waiting knowing I'm going to talk to Tom in a second. And I would just have that voice loaded and he wouldn't know (laughs) I'm going to do it. And I'd say, how you doing friend? And he would just, (laughs) you know, (laughs) laughing his head off. And so he remembered it from that. So it's been this weird uh, thing with that voice and Tom and our our connection. And so, and, and Steven Hillenberg, Steven told you, you'll just play Plankton when the show gets picked up. And you were like, that's not going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Great. No paycheck there. Yeah. I was like, I was like, that's not going to work. So, and I, I didn't, I didn't know. We all were hoping for each other when we do these things, but you're always skeptical, especially when I was hoping I was going to be Squidward at one point. I was like, oh, maybe I'll get to be Squidward then, you know, instead. Ah, uh, and I can't be in the pilot. Oh. So so I ended up uh, just holding it. And then, you know, uh, whatever it was, like two years later, year and a half later or something, we, wow. you know, we started the show. And Steve's like, so you're Plankton, right? <laughs> I said, yeah, <laughs> I guess so. And then, of course, they wanted the stunt cast because it was a character that's going to show up every once in a while. So right. they made put me through the ringer, you know, to, to audition for it. I auditioned for oh, wow. it like maybe six times, something like that. Just kept, oh. yeah, where I'd read, I'd write copy for myself, type it up, go downstairs, you know, to the record and record it, <laughs> and then and then send it to them. And they kept going on and on. And then they said they don't know, they don't know. They prefer if you did stunt casting, you know, really. And then we decided that Brass was coming in from new york i think that's what was happening and and we we decided to pitch them the plankton storyboard live so the guys who drew the storyboards you know po- uh, pointed to all the stuff and and said the story and i stood a few you know like over here going you know like this on <laughs> the corner going eh, it's my birthday you know <laughs> like sticking <laughs> so every line got a laugh uh in the room oh my god and got a big applause at the end that this is this new character we're presenting with this crazy, with this little guy with this big, crazy voice. And they mm-hmm. said, they all turned and the uh, you know, president at the time of Nickelodeon goes, I guess you're Plankton, you know, and then they just walked, <laughs> walked out of the room. So I didn't realize how, I didn't realize how it was really hanging specifically on this performance, but I was ready. So 
<laughs> that's wow. amazing. Just very singing in the rain. Just the, the you're behind Absolutely. the curtain, you're doing the thing, and they just pull the curtain open, and you're like, you're the guy. You're the guy. That's yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. And I love that you got this massive entrance. You're the Christina Aguilera in Moulin Rouge. <laughs> You're the one that everyone is waiting for when that bridge is ramping up. Like everyone's been introduced right. already. We know about Maya and Little Kim. They've all done their right. thing. And but here and comes Christina, Christina Aguilera. Mm-hmm. Here you are. <laughs> plankton wow, exclamation point right mm-hmm. is the name of the episode right we tried and it was called, it was actually called deep cover that was the that was my original oh. title but it was yeah. we talked about it and it was decided that we needed to introduce this guy plankton. you know because we're doing a whole episode about him and he's going to be making yeah. a comeback later because of the chum bucket so we we figured we should you know make it just plankton i just we laughed i was like going who you know who cares i love it like why was it called <laughs> Plankton <laughs> with an exclamation point! Wow, yeah. aren't you special, yeah. Frankie? Also, now, now, now I want God. like a, a a plankton cover of Christina Aguilera's bit in in Lady Marmalade. Now I want that. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, oh, please do it. Sure, <laughs> please do it. Somebody send him the lyrics now, quick. Uh, oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> So not only are you Plankton, the most iconic in the world, and um, you're also Larry the Lobster, who we have talked mm-hmm. about on our show, how much we love Larry. Hey! <laughs> hey, uh, how you doing? You want to go lift some weights, Larry? <laughs> want to lift some... Yeah, that's all I say. That's my, yeah. that's my you know, ramp up words, because that's the first thing I ever said with, with that character. And that's what always ends up yeah. happening. Yeah. Hey, SpongeBob, want to lift some weights? And that was the... <laughs> So I just keep saying that over and over, and it always makes that makes Tom laugh too, and, and the others because it's they know they know why I'm doing it. It's because I'm trying to remember what that character sounds like. It's getting easier because I do a lot more Larry now than I used to because yeah. he's on Camp Coral, he's on all the shows, and then particularly on yep. Camp Coral a lot more, and so I get to do more uh, with him. Well, h- hang on a second, hang on a second, Mr. Lawrence. You should know that Frankie's maybe favorite character in SpongeBob, but absolutely favorite background character, yeah, is the <gasps> Fred, my leg guy. Oh, oh my god. god! And yeah, Carolyn told us the story about how you did that when you guys were doing Crowdwalla. Yeah, and it, yes. be- <laughs> yeah. it just sounded and- funny. Yeah, it was one of those ones that would we do. Uh, <laughs> everybody's yet screaming things for a walla, and then all of a sudden, everyone's trying to say the last thing before the walla stops <laughs> and so that's like a joke it's called a danny man i don't know why but it's he's huh. a voiceover actor who apparently always had to get the last word in oh, so we funny. so we joke uh, always doing that and for some reason i was able to time it well a few times where everyone had stopped and then i yelled you know my leg and and so it was able to <laughs> And make everyone laugh because they weren't expecting there to be one more. So it was sort of like, so somehow, because everyone laughed in the room, whether that means it was really funny or not, not just a surprise, it got into those, it started getting into shows. They funny. Would, they would, was, the, the sound guys would use it specifically. And, and, and yes, you know they, it's a cult following, right? Like the, yeah, the, the, and then the, it became a thing, yeah. Yes, the My Leg line has become an absolute cult following. It was like, so my sister would just run around the house screaming it, like our whole life, like back and <laughs> forth to us and to her friends. Like it was just like My Leg and different one, My Leg, like just different versions <laughs> of the My Leg. There's YouTube videos that are like seven minutes long of you just singing My the Leg compilations, I know, they're so funny. Yeah, and I wrote, I wrote a show in season 11 or 12 yes. called, called my leg 
which mm-hmm. was about Fred because we just figured we got to service this you have to gr- do growing it. audience. So we, we, we wanted to make something else for him. And we, we do more with him here and there, but that was my... That's maybe my favorite thing I ever wrote was was that episode. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> I really well, thought that was just to take something that was a a throwaway line and it turns into this, you know, uh, episode with a music, you know, with a with a song at the end and just yeah, making that stupid idea into something uh, bigger was always it's fascinating to to when it works. And it's a dream, and you're listening to the audience too. Like it's yeah. like it's so exciting. We're like, hey, they like it, so I'll do more yeah. of that. Sure, <laughs> exactly. Like, all right, I guess that's the best thing ever. Yeah, and like Rube. I mean, he's another yes, one. Rube. He's my favorite new. Rube. He's my favorite new character. <laughs> oh my he's goodness, amazing. he's amazing. <laughs> and I and he's just he's Hugh Hauser. So he's my one of my favorite. If you guys remember Hugh Hauser from years I, back, I discovered Hugh Hauser. I'm a I'm a, a born and raised Californian, but I did not know about Huel Hauser until a friend of mine show, showed me this. So, could you explain who Huel Hauser is, in case our listeners don't know who this man is? Yeah, Huel was a guy who went around um, on uh, mostly PBS kind of stations, and mm-hmm. he would he had a traveling show. He'd go around and just stop at places of interest in California. California's gold. And yeah. he it was his show, and he had several shows over the years. But that was his job. He he was able to carve out this job, and he was just such an affable, affable, nice guy mm-hmm. who had this kind of a voice, and everything was amazing. He couldn't <laughs> believe anything, and every any time, and we just always would sit and laugh because we knew we knew he was sincere. I think that's why mm-hmm. he's so funny because you know mm-hmm. he means it. And, and it was just so, you know, we just sit he's, and, and he'd be, laugh. He'd be looking in mountains and he's just like, wow, look at that. Like, yeah, it's yeah. just the most amazing, sincere <laughs> thing. Yeah, it's so great. Well, what's so great, great is when he's going over food. He's like, look, at wow, look at that tomato. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Is this a normal size for a tomato? Because that's huge. <laughs> And speaking of having these um, positive characters and these characters that live in like kind of like this cynicism world, you get to like do both, which is is that is that super fun? And, and also, you get to write for both. So, like, um, how does that duality play out in in your mind? Do you have to like put on a switch and be like, I'm I'm the po- peppy optimistic one right now? <laughs> yeah, no, it's kind of a they're really kind of separate items. You really do. For me, you step out of a car and then you step into. A, tra- a train you know it's like it's, yeah. it's sort of like two separate things because i really when i'm at doing voices i don't necessarily i'm certainly not married to anything i write when i'm in the booth mm. i'm ex- i'm really married wow. to it before we get to the booth yeah, okay you know and don't you touch you know my stuff <laughs> but but after that there's the, the the process moves and 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 i've i got used to it over the years of throwing out things that i thought were the funniest thing I ever wrote, you know, or the, you know, uh, this has to be in there. It's like, no, it doesn't. Nothing, yeah. he, nothing has, what has to be in there is what has to be in there. What ends, ends up being in there. So you, you yeah. kind of, it's a stew and you have to put the right ingredients in it. If there's too much, you know, um, paprika, then you, you know, less paprika. <laughs> 
It really is joke formulas with you. It really, you really are putting a dash of this, a pinch of this. It really always feels like it. It feels yeah, like a, yeah. a Dr. Frankenstein sort of a laboratory thing you're trying to come mm-hmm. up with stuff. Because we do a lot, you know, we make up a lot of stuff that we can't say, that we would love to say. I think it's pronounced Frankenstein. I think. Frankenstein, oh, yes. that's right. Yeah. That's right. I'm yeah. sorry. But I'm one, sorry. One of, the, one of the things that, that Frankie and I keep bringing up is this amazement that like, we're going back and we're re-watching the first batch of episodes we're re-watching this first season of spongebob while also you know being aware of what you guys are doing now and so many of you creative brilliant geniuses have really been there since the beginning which yeah. is crazy mm-hmm. i wanted to ask you have a really unique perspective too because not only are you in the writer's room you're you're the story editor but you're also in the voiceover booth and you're this mm-hmm. great connective thread and you've been there since the beginning do you feel like you sometimes have a responsibility to when you when you think about what spongebob was in the beginning and what it is now and to kind of keep that going i know that i've heard that writers have come up to you and they're like well i'm referring to this thing that was that happened in season one and you're like oh i pitched that that's my idea right wow. right so that you're yeah. you know you're kind of you're still sort of overseeing that world a little bit do you feel that responsibility oh sure yeah especially with steve gone it, it's it's been mm. uh more of a if we're going to keep doing this, if we're going to keep up with this, it's got to be of the quality that of the bar that was already set. You know what I mean? Right. The bar was already set at a high place. And so the only place for us to go is higher, not lower. So we we go out of our way to try to put more animation in over the last mm-hmm. five, six years. Um more attention to detail working with newer other artists bringing in guest artists to work with here and there you know i mean we're lucky we got some of the best people in the world you know uh drawing drawing the show and you know it's it's just amazing to me that the that that people are still on board with the other things the other versions of the show and still be okay is wanting to see the original and and you know so it's yes. it's which is amazing to us at all uh it shows you how people how, how much people love these characters already but yeah. it, but for us there was something to it where we said well it can't just be about that though it's got to be about the shows are too good you can't turn them off they have to be mm. so funny that you you go i gotta watch another one of these so we <laughs> so we try to make each one you know a nice little you know uh bonbon each time you know we try to make it like a real uh, each one is a classic. That's what I used to joke. I said, everyone's got to be a classic. You know, we should We've said that so many times in the <laughs> show have, already. We we're like, it's because it's enthusiasm, too. We want it. We want to do this. Yes. You know, we love yeah. writing these things. And we love these characters. These guys are all part of us now. Plankton's definitely second nature. You yeah. know, if I get hit in the head really hard at some point, I'm probably going to be babbling <laughs> and just doing Plankton's <laughs> voice, you know, um, down by the railroad tracks but there's you know a, a lot of <laughs> but I would love if you got into a fight with someone as Plankton and they oh just didn't God. know like all of a sudden you and they were like hey, this? Yeah, you want yeah. a piece of me? I just throw it at them yeah yeah I've been able to throw th- throw yeah every every so often when we're down in the uh, parking decks when we'd be going to our cars they'd say hey Doug do it <laughs> and then I would scream they'd, and I would just scream just give a scream that would reverberate you know through the rafters <laughs> of the place as loud as I could <laughs> so, some of the new stuff in Camp Coral are the characters Narlene and Nobby who mm. you also helped create tell us a little bit about those characters and what your thinking was when you guys were developing those yeah well we we knew we needed 
they, the studio actually said we needed some new characters. To the, if we're going to have the new series, you got to at least mm-hmm. throw in one or two new guys. So we that was a real thing of trying to figure out for a, you know, a couple of weeks or something who's going to be these new characters because you can't just go oh it's this and you throw it in there. You know, it was definitely something we had to figure out. And because they are out in the camp and in the woods, it's it suggest it suggested that she whoever it is would live out in the woods. Um, so we had a lot of really Great. creepy characters for, at first before we, we got to Narlene and Navi. Um, you know, old men who live in the woods by themselves. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Hey, and, kids. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we said, well, that's good for a gag, but not for a recurring character, you know. Um, so, mm-hmm. we, so we got it down to um, having a brother and a sister. So there was a few iconic things from our childhood that we remembered for her, and one of them was Pippi Longstocking. If you remember those oh, right. crazy right. old movies uh, that were old when I saw them, you know, just about a, a very, very uh, almost Bugs Bunny kind of uh, trickster uh, uh, female character. And we really liked the idea mm-hmm. of that, that she'd always be, you know, tricking them, not not where she's hurting anybody, but where she's she's having fun, you know, and 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 Nobby's having fun, too. And, and, and he he loves they just like conning people and so we have the patrick show and we have camp coral and we have spongebob and we have movies like what is there in your mind a future of spongebob that you can see like what does that mean for the world are we just gonna live in spongebob land because i want to do that i assume you do um great yes (laughs) sign up i'm sure there's a sign up for it somewhere yeah you probably (laughs) (laughs) there's probably a GoFundMe for it already I don't know. It's hard to tell because certain characters, they go away, they come back. You know, maybe SpongeBob will go away for a while like Bugs Bunny did, and then they'll come back mm-hmm. and everyone will know him again. We try to make the show, you know, not topical. We only should do shell phones when we need it. You know, we kind right. of try to stay away from cell phones and those things just to sort of keep the it, it, it a little more uh, timeless, you know. Yeah. So we've always been conscious of that. But I think that's part of it, too, is, is just that you can relate to it. On in any time period, we were skeptical as to whether putting new shows with the same characters was a was a mistake. So we you know and, mm. and uh, we wanted to make quality shows and funny shows, and I think they are. So they so you know you don't have to like all of them or or any of them. But I think the fact that it's still there now and we're still making these things at this point is a good sign for the future. I think it'll be around at least a little bit longer. And maybe there's room for it in the future. I hope there's still slapstick humor in the future. I hope there's still room for, you know, my leg and junk like that. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. It's it's even funny when you say it quiet, Mr. Lawrence. It's Is even it? funny. That's, like it was thank funny you. when you yes, it, it, it was because I wasn't expecting it. You snuck what uh, my I leg snuck in there, out. and so I really appreciate ooh, that. A heartfelt <laughs> my leg. Yeah, that's right. Heartfelt. Yeah, really sweet my and heartfelt. Leg. I don't know. Hope there's yeah. hope there's room for my leg. You know? <laughs> yeah, I've done it. Oh right. man, in that one episode, I, I did it so many different ways. Yeah, it's definitely sweating you after had, that you, one. You had you had Tom as SpongeBob doing it. It's so fun. It's so great when everybody got in on it. It was so funny. That was, it was funny. so funny. I so enjoyed. I that. think the I think the future of SpongeBob to go back to what we were talking about before is that students of animation, people who are going back and studying animation, and they're looking at cartoons from the 1940s, which cannot be beat. They're going to look at cartoons from the late 90s, early 2000s, 2010s, now into 20s, and they're going to go, wow. SpongeBob can stand shoulder to shoulder with those other shows. Yeah. yeah. Because That's a nice of thought. they love and care. It's, I, it's, it's not a thought. 
It's a reality. It is fact. It yeah. is a reality. It really is. It's true. It is a scientific fact. Yeah, yeah. It's I like true. the thought of it a, a lot. It's hard for me yeah. to. It, it, it's hard for me to believe that all the way. It's I've, I've seen fans over the years, and people tell me sure. stories of you know things that they got through, you know, tragedies in their lives because of the show, and it's, that's hard for me to fathom. These all these things, all these things of, of the, the love that comes for from people uh, liking the show as much as they do is overwhelming. So it's 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 hard for me to, and I often forget it. Until we go to yeah. a fan, fan show, and then we're like, "Oh my god!" Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, listen, you are on SpongeBob binge pants. Yeah, You're I know. On right? a podcast dedicated to the genius of your show <laughs> and to breaking it down for the uh, thousands and thousands and millions of fans that are around the world yeah. that are just so in love with what you guys have created and That's will continue so cool. to be. Thank you. So uh, I couldn't. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And have me, yeah, any, anytime you want to talk about stuff, let me know. Hasta la vista, baby! Frankie, another amazing interview on the books. Mr. Lawrence, we thank him so much for spending his valuable time with us. He's such a busy guy, and that was a lovely, lovely, lovely interview with the busiest, busiest man. That was fantastic. Thank you guys for listening to our amazing conversation. I look forward to the next one on SpongeBob Binge Pants, and we'll see you guys soon next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.